Thought maybe you boys might be interested in putting on a big-time wrestling bout. You know, make a nice hunk of dough for yourself. It's time to Yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. Morgan, you're out of here. You don't have the right temperament for the trade. You're a dead man. What am I supposed to do? There's always barber college. Frankie, I know you're a great wrestler, but my brother, who ain't as handsome as you, is as strong as Charles Atlas. Yeah, but I've wrestled women that are bigger than him. Sure, you got fat, sloppy women. Hello and welcome to Camel Clutch Cinema, the podcast where we talk about movies that star wrestlers or have wrestling in them. I'm Guy Hutchinson. And I'm Craig Cohen. On this episode, I cannot wait to talk about Predator. But before we start, be forewarned, as always, that this discussion will be chock full of spoilers. You're a big fan of Predator. I love Predator. This is a movie that I saw in theaters in 1987. It spoke to me then and it still speaks to me now. I, I'm, I'm very different than that. I didn't see this movie as a kid. I saw Jesse's scenes, which he goes to about the 40 minute mark. And I did see most of that. It was, it was on and I was kind of watching it and I was only interested in seeing Jesse. And I didn't watch this film again until, you know, it came out on DVD and I've seen it a few times, enjoyed it, but I, I'm not that kind of a fan. Have you seen any of the other films of the Predator series? I am going to make a confession right now that um, I've seen a lot of the the Predator, Alien vs. Predator movies, what have you. But I am going to confess right now that I have not seen from beginning to end Predator 2. Yeah, neither have I. I've never (laughs) seen it. I don't even know that I've seen any of it. And I've been interested in seeing it, if only to see Morton Downey Jr., (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on yes. screen uh, acting that just seems crazy to me have you seen alien versus predator or or i believe there's two of those right i saw the first of the two i saw alien versus predator which came with years and years and years of anticipation and you know was it was very hard for it to live up to that anticipation and i gotta say that i think when it comes to predator the best thing to do is to just Focus on this 1987 release, and you'll have all the Predator you need. I want to tell a a quick story about a few years ago when Randy Orton started getting all those tattoos. Yes. (laughs) I looked at his shoulders, and I was sure that I saw on one side alien and on the other side i saw predator and i mean it's hard to get a good look at a man's tattoos when he's wrestling i mean you know it's not like randy would stand there and pose and and you know and you'd look at it uh and stare at the tattoos it was just like during a match he'd get up and i'd be like oh i think i I see it and you know and i i always pictured that randy orton was a big alien versus predator guy and he he was way into both of them it turns out it's skeletons he's got skeletons a bunch of them, many skeletons on each shoulder. And, you know, one skeleton turned sideways looked a lot like Alien. And then a skeleton looking forward looked a lot like Predator. So uh, I was very disappointed to find out that that Alien versus Predator connection didn't exist. Yeah. And he's since gotten a lot more ink on his arms. So uh, unfortunately, we can't even get that illusion anymore. <laughs> 
This movie, June 12th, 1987, came out. This was a, a, a big hit, and it really was the film that made Arnold a megastar. Prior to this, he had done uh, Terminator, which was a huge success, and he had done the Conan films, but this mm-hmm. was kind of when it started to be that he was a bankable box office star. He was a guy you could rely on seeing multiple times in movies. Yeah. Tell me about John McTiernan, director of Die Hard, which is another, you know, classic from, um, I believe, the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, and also The Hunt for Red October. And uh, interestingly enough, he directed Ludwig Borges' cameo in Die Hard 3 and also Paul Heyman in Rollerball, which is a movie I know we're going to talk about eventually. Oh, I hope so. Yes, yes. So he's directed two wrestlers. I don't know how much he had to do with the one second, you know, one line uh, of Ludwig Borga, but uh, Paul Heyman all over Rollerball, and boy, is that a spectacular mess. John McTiernan, though, at this point, this was his second film. He was, a, a, you know, a guy who, who really put together a, a, a really tightly well-done you know, movie. Yeah, he was the go-to action guy for a while, and I mean, his work really speaks, uh, you know, to his abilities. I mean, he made some classics. I mean, Die Hard alone is still considered one of the the, the best action movies of the last thirty years. And this is uh, really the film that broke him in. His his previous mm-hmm. film was one I hadn't heard of, so this was his first big name film. Yes. The screenplay was written by a couple of brothers. Do you know about these guys? I do. Jim and John and John Thomas, who it it seems like after this, they sort of went on and and just got story credits and did some script doctoring. But they also worked on executive decision. Um, They have a story credit on Wild Wild West with Will Smith. All right. Well, wait, 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 because I want to mention about both of those films. Like the first one you said, didn't like the second one. Executive (laughs) decision. Really a great movie. I I, the the best thing about it, I hate to spoil, but I think I I can't talk about it without saying that is Steven Seagal is in this film. And much like Marion Crane's character in Psycho, he's killed way before you expect him to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think they they show most of his performance in the in the commercials. Yeah, and so it's uh it's a Kurt Russell vehicle, and he's in it. Uh, I believe John Leguizamo's in it. And when you see him, you don't expect him to go that early in the film. And when he goes, I, I watching the film, I kept waiting for him to be you know hanging on the back of the plane or something and climb back in because I was like, there's no way that Steven Seagal just got sucked out of this airplane and sucked out of this movie. Yeah, especially that was at the sort of the peak of of his popularity yeah. too. Yeah, so I mean, you see him show up now, you expect that, but back then you definitely <laughs> didn't. Wild Wild West. This was a Will Smith film that I had the highest of hopes for and got the lowest of lows when I went to go see it. <laughs> yeah, and we also see a little bit more of of Will Smith than we, we probably ever hoped to. Yeah, there is a scene of him getting out of a, a tub. He's uh, soaking in a tub, and uh, the director's commentary debates how much of will smith we see but i believe i saw more will smith than his than his wife has seen i think uh, i think i saw it all uh, i think i went behind enemy lines 
on Will Smith. <laughs> Behind Enemy Lines, also a film written by these guys, and that's a, a great Owen Wilson action film. Yeah, with, with the the always great uh, Gene Hackman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and they went on to make a sequel with WWE superstar Mr. Kennedy, now Mr. Anderson of TNA. Yeah, I believe that one was subtitled Columbia. Yeah, Behind Enemy yeah. Lines, Columbia. That was that was the lines they went behind. Yeah, and the funny thing about that movie, if I remember correctly, um, that movie came out, and then within weeks, Anderson was gone. Yeah, I think he yeah. might have even been gone prior to it coming out, but that really was a disaster for them. Was you know they had uh, they they bumped him off the payroll, so even if he was still on you know te- technically working for them, they weren't pushing him when that movie came out. It was a it was a, a real thud. So weird. The cast on this, of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger, very interesting connection to professional wrestling. Yes, he received the box office championship belt on SmackDown, and uh, this year at WrestleMania weekend, he inducted Bruno Sammartino into the Hall of Fame. Yes, and and we talked on the Expendables episode about him on SmackDown, and it was wonderful. He got in a fight with Triple H, and you know there's there's a lot of Arnold all over this one episode of SmackDown, and he's a guy who has always enjoyed wrestling and has been uh, friendly with Bruno Sammartino since he met him way way back in his bodybuilding days, and there was a clip once that was shown on WWF television, I believe at the time. Time where Mark Henry had gone to an Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, uh, promoted contest, and Arnold joked that he was posing with Mark Henry, but he usually doesn't pose with people that are bigger than him. <laughs> Let's talk about the rest of this cast. You got Carl Weathers. Everybody knows him as Apollo Creed. Mm-hmm. And Action Jackson. That's right. <laughs> what about Bill Duke? What do you know Bill Duke from? Um, Bill Duke, uh, my favorite Bill Duke moments, aside from this movie, which we'll get to, are in another Arnold movie called Commando, where uh, Arnold has the famous line where he's fighting Bill Duke, and Bill Duke says, um, you're about to deal with a Green Beret, and Arnold says, that's great, I eat Green Berets for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse- Bill Duke has gone on to be a, a director, he's directed a lot of oh, movies wow. um, since his, uh, I guess, also while acting. I, I didn't know that. That's fantastic. I always liked him. He's got a very sympathetic face. Yes. He's kind of like a, um, uh, you know, very similar look to like Forrest Whitaker that looks like they could they could yeah. be uh, very much on the same plane in terms of acting. Yeah. No, it's, it's like this tough guy look, but they've got yeah. these sad eyes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, Jesse Ventura, of course, we'll talk all about, and this is uh, this is the reason we're talking about this film. But I also want to talk about Kevin Peter Hall, who played the Predator. Yeah, what a what a great great guy, and what a sad story. He was seven foot two, and the fact that he is not the wrestler in this film <laughs> blows <Yes>. my mind. <laughs> He was in Mazes and Monsters, which is a, uh, a movie that's basically about D&D, Dungeons and Dragons, with Tom Hanks, early, early Tom Hanks movie, which I loved as a kid. He also was in Misfits of Science, which was a short-lived TV show that I adored when I was younger. And I Harry that. and the Hendersons, he was Harry. Mm-hmm. In the movie and the TV show. Yeah, yeah. And he had a reoccurring role on 227. Now, here's the very uh, interesting and sad part of his story. 
On 227, he met and married Elena Reed, and she, most people probably remember as Olivia on Sesame Street. Olivia always took care of Big Bird. She was in Follow That Bird. She was always, I mean, during when I was growing up, she was on every episode of Sesame Street. And she went on to work on 227 with him. They married uh, and then he died of AIDS-related pneumonia at the age of 35 in 1991. He says he had contracted the disease through a blood transfusion. She remarried, and she died of breast cancer in 2009 at the age of 63. So both of these stars are gone. Yeah. So yeah, sad. I, I, I was, I was uh, very interested to read both of their stories and, and sad to know that they were both gone. It was, it was kind of two people that had played a good part of my childhood that I didn't know weren't around anymore. And it was, it was sad to read about them. Yeah. One person that did have a small uh, part in this that is still around was Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yes, this is that little bit of uh, trivia um, that is always uh, interesting to learn. So he had uh, been cast to play the Predator, and they were going to have the Predator look very different. He was apparently going to be bigger and have more of a, of a duck bill to his, his head. And uh, they they were working with him, and they decided after a few scenes that they needed a bigger Predator. They mm -hmm. needed somebody that was bigger and more dominant. And there are conflicting reports as to whether any shots of Jean-Claude Van Damme, any any shots that were filmed, whether he, when he was on the set are in this or whether it was it was uh, something that was finished before they actually reached production. Do you know anything about this? I vaguely remember on the, the DVD version I have, it's a two-disc set, I believe that they did have some footage of him um, – in a, in a real, you know, basic costume, because I think at that point they were just going to use his camouflage look for a lot of the movie. Mm -hmm. um, but I did not watch that in, in uh, preparation for this movie, unfortunately. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's very interesting to hear. And, and Van Damme's gone on to do some amazing things, as well as work with Arnold Schwarzenegger in Expendables 2. Yes. So give me a quick plot summary for this film. All right. It'll be... Um, Quick and mean, just like this movie. A team of commandos on a mission in the Central American jungle find themselves hunted by an extraterrestrial warrior. And that's it. That's all they give us for this. Yes. And the one thing I really dig uh, about this movie is they don't bury that fact. The movie starts with um, an alien spaceship crash landing, which is, you know, or at least entering Earth's atmosphere, which yeah. I think is really, really cool. It's interesting that you say that. That's one of the things I didn't like watching it this time. Mm -hmm. I don't like that they give that away because that seems like it's a reveal later on. And it seems like why show this shot right off the bat to reveal your hand that this is an alien that we're going to be facing. Obviously, most people going into a movie know the plot. Mm -hmm. But it is a reveal in this film. It's it's something that the characters don't know until quarter of the way through the film. Yeah, it's it's, it's almost like being in on a secret for me. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's an interesting choice, and uh, it's 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 uh, it's interesting. We both have a different take on it, but I think we both have the same take on Jesse Ventura. Yes. 
my here's my here's my overall opinion of Jesse. I loved Jesse when I was a kid mm-hmm. as a commentator. Uh, I I saw very little of him wrestling, but I've enjoyed every bit of that that I've seen. Mm-hmm. I was so excited when he ran for office, and when he won, I couldn't believe it. Yes. I wrote him a letter and got a wonderful uh, letter back from him. Oh, awesome! Uh, yeah, and and I was I, I was uh, there may have been a check involved. I'm I'm possibly a little embarrassed to admit that at this point because at some point after he became governor he went insane <laughs> yes uh, it's 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 very hard to track when but it it, it apparently it, it does seem like it happened so he was uh he was a professional wrestling star he his career was cut somewhat short and he went into commentating and was so good that they would put him alongside Vince McMahon for all the top shows except for WrestleMania where Vince was too busy making sure the show went well so Vince was backstage and Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse would work together and to me that was my all-time favorite commentary team Yeah no argument there I mean Jesse really was uh, one of the best commentators uh, that WWF ever saw. Jesse uh, loves to talk about his background in the military. He was on the U.S. Navy water underwater demolition team, and he served during the Vietnam War, but not in the Vietnam War. Um, and he uh, he went on to 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 be the governor of Minnesota from ninety nine to two thousand three, and then uh, then went on to two thousand four. He returned to WWE to be in the Hall of Fame class of two thousand four. In addition to this movie, he's done a handful of oddball appearances. We did an entire show where we focused on some of the movies that he appeared in. Yeah. And it's it's really amazing to think that this movie didn't do more for him and that this is really sort of the the height of his his sort of movie work. It's odd because he is so good in this movie and to me he stands out even now trying to be objective he stands out above all the other guys in this team other than Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I would almost say even over Arnold Schwarzenegger in this film, Arnold didn't have his personality down pat yet. And Jesse, and we'll get into it. He mm. really has a personality in this film. Yeah. And his character was given sort of the most to do in terms of showiness. Yeah. I mean, he's only in the first 40 minutes, but he really makes every minute of that count. We talked about the TV show he did with Rowdy Roddy Piper, Tag Team. Yes. That was uh, his final wrestling match was filmed for that show. Yeah, crazy. So they he came out of retirement to do that tag match with Rowdy Roddy Piper. And and uh, so that's his, his final wrestling match. But really, that was years after he had really retired from active wrestling. After he made this movie... He he was apparently going through some kind of contract negotiation, which was why he was able to go and do this film. He was, I guess his contract was ending and maybe there was an option or something. So he went and did this movie and then he had had time before he came back. And so he recorded an album. Oh, okay. He recorded an album called The Body Rules and he toured. He said uh, he called it the Manure Tour. Because they they went to all these states that had lots of cows. 
Oh, goodness. In the middle of the country. And he said uh, he had a lot of fun doing it. So uh, that's what he did in between Predator and returning to the WWF. Now, before he left to do Predator, they promoted this movie on WWF television. I remember... I remember him talking about how he was going to go film, you know, with Arnold Schwarzenegger and they had a, a, a scene on WWF television on, uh, I believe it was called all American wrestling. It was on USA network hosted by mean Gene Okerlund and mean Gene would sit there in the command center and, and uh, he would, he would do these fake phone calls where he'd pick up the phone and be like, uh, you know, I'm talking to, in this case, Jesse Ventura. And he'd say, Oh, hi, Jesse. Yes, yes, I did see the trailer. Oh, you're the star of the movie, not Arnold. Oh, I see. And you had to give Arnold tips on acting. Oh, I see. And he would do, you know, shtick like that. So I do remember when this movie came out because of that. Okay, yeah. I heard an interview with Jesse where he said most of the locations that they filmed in were about an hour from the city where they were filming in, in, uh, in, I believe they were in either Mexico or South America. I think it was Mexico and it takes place in South America. Yes. And so he said where they were was, was about an hour outside of the, the nearest city when they filmed. Mm-hmm. So then they'd have to drive back to the hotels. And he said they, they worked from sunup to sundown. He said, not that it was no fun, but that it was all business. This was a, you know, very, very, you know, uh, a sophisticated set. And they were just getting getting the job done here and, and working all day. Mm-hmm. I got to say that, it, you know, as much of a pain, I'm sure it was for the, the cast and the crew and everybody involved. The fact that they filmed this entire movie on location, um, you know, really makes the movie feel special. It does. It's a beautiful looking film. Uh, one of the things you, you constantly see is you see foliage in front of the camera. Sometimes between the, the actors and the camera, you'll see foliage and just plants. And it is really, really a beautiful movie. And you really feel like you're there. I mean, it, it does a wonderful job of transporting you to this jungle location. It, I would say, is a better job of a director of photography than a film like this normally has and maybe even deserves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we start out, we see this alien spacecraft, like we talk about it's flying over and he, you know, we, we see a pod come out and that's how the predator lands on earth. And then we see the helicopter landing kind of a, you know, symmetry where we're seeing the spaceship and then the helicopter and all the guys are getting off. We see Jesse in his MTV t-shirt. We see the rest of the crew. And then last is Arnold Schwarzenegger puffing on a cigar. Yeah. What a, just what a great look. I got to tell you, when I was a kid that summer, I wanted Arnold's hair. <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed. Arnold looks very cool in this movie. Your team is Mac Elliott, played by Bill Duke, Blaine Cooper, played by Jesse Ventura, Billy Soul, played by Sonny Landham, Jorge, I, uh, I don't know how they pronounce his name because they always call him Pancho Ramirez, yes. which was Richard Chavez, uh, who I don't know. Rich, Rick Hawkins was played by Shane Black, who we'll talk about. And then we see Carl Weathers, who ends up coming along with them, playing George Dillon. <laughs> Yes, the famous Dylan. <laughs> we get to see uh, um, the two of them meet, and they do this this big giant handshake. 
Yeah, which almost becomes like an arm wrestling match in midair. That's right. They, uh, they lock hands and they, you know, they're talking and then there, there's like, you know, this struggle with their hands and there's a great wrestling moment in here. He says to him, Arnold says something like, are you still pushing pencils with the CIA? And Carl Weathers goes, huh? <laughs> and that, huh? has been cut and used in Botchamania over and over. So when you watch Botchamania and something weird happens, a lot of times they'll cut in, huh? And that's exactly from this movie. That is so great. I never made that connection. So this really weird handshake, aggressive, macho, <laughs> bicep thing happens. And then we learn that, you know, there's some guys that are abducted. There's a presidential cabinet minister. These people are out in the jungle. There's these guerrilla forces. And all we need to know is that our team's going to go in there and make things right. Mm-hmm. And and Arnold's uh, character really makes it clear that his team is more of just an ext- extraction team. They're not really sure. mercenaries or or you know you know really into that aspect of of you know um, mm-hmm. military work. He says we're not assassins and we're yeah. not gonna we're not gonna just assassinate people. Uh, but they are crazy. We see Jesse chewing Red Man and offering Red Man to a bunch of guys who you would think he knows enough to know they don't want it. But I guess he just loves to offer it and see them say no. And then he can tell them that it makes him a sexual tyrannosaurus. <laughs> And I lo- I love this entire helicopter scene. I love Jesse. I love the fact that you're listening to like old rock and roll music yeah. on a boombox. Yes. Um you really got to feel that these guys are a team that have worked together for a long time. Yeah, it's 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 a great scene. Uh Jesse spitting on Carl Weathers' foot and then Carl Weathers pulling him in and just being like it's a very disgusting habit you have. <laughs> it's great. So we go down into the jungle, we see these guys that have had their skin removed and are hanging upside down. The, these these are the uh, military guys, and they're dead. Yeah, and, so and, Jesse, and Arnold even knew some of them. Yes, but Jesse says it's payback time, and he gets his ridiculous gun. This gun is it's just amazing. There's no other word to describe it. It's I I can't imagine that anything on screen has had 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 been seen like that prior to this movie and i would almost argue that since then yeah yeah let me tell you this is what i i read about it first of all the weapon that blaine uses is called a minigun believe it or not it's a weapon that's most commonly mounted on the side of a helicopter or an aircraft carrier and they had to have many many modifications to make it usable for the film it's got an electrical cable that was hidden down the front of his pants the firing line was slowed down to about a third the normal rate and that way they'd have less blanks that way they'd have you know it'd be easier for him to hold it and he had to apparently uh there were rumors that he wore a bulletproof vest but this wasn't true but he it was just so outstanding to have this ridiculously huge gun that a human shouldn't be holding you know in front of him that that rumor stuck around i had heard for years that this gun could never have been held by a human being that this gun was just too big but it sounds like they they did a lot of work to make that happen uh but this this gun was so interesting and exciting that years later, within the past three years, the military came up with an idea to give soldiers a weapon similar to this. Oh, wow. 
Let me read a little bit from an article here. Um, this is a, a project that that Bob Reinert, who works in public affairs for the uh, Soldier Systems Center in the U.S., and he said that there was a, a two-and-a-half-hour firefight with the enemy in Afghanistan. And members of the 1st Battalion uh, were from the Iowa National Guard sat around, and they, they were discussing their equipment. And they talked about different equipment. And someone mentioned Jesse Ventura in Predator. He said that, you know, the character had this M134 minigun that was fed by an ammo box on his back. And the soldiers had a good laugh over that. But then they asked, why couldn't the gunner carry a combat load of ammo on his back? And they pursued it. And they went went ahead and ended up making the MK48762 millimeter machine gun, which does have basically a backpack, which... Uh, Goes over your shoulder and has and 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 holds the ammunition. That is great, and I'm sure that is something that Jesse was you know very happy to hear. Very well, maybe, or maybe he just you know said something crazy, <laughs> and then said it didn't exist or something, <laughs> and and became a gun truther and said that the gun wasn't real. Yeah. So um so they track down the gorillas. We get this huge action scene, things blowing up. I love this sequence. Yeah, and there's this like modified Jeep that they're using to pump water that Arnold uh I guess in a, a, a show of his strength, it was very very much like a wrestling angle where you'd have, you know, somebody proving how they how strong they are. He takes it up off of its um I guess where it's resting and he loads it up with with some explosives and pushes it down a hill to get things started and uh from there on it's a, just a really really high impact action scene. Yeah, so so we get some great lines here. We get Jesse saying, it's dug in there like an Alabama tick, and I ain't got time to bleed. It's just such an iconic uh, phrase that that actually became the title of his autobiography he released when he was governor. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's probably one of the most quotable lines from this movie. We also get the confession from Dylan to Dutch that this mission is not exactly what they pitched Arnold's crew on. Yeah, and and Dylan shows his hand really quickly. As soon as they've dispatched of all the the rebels, uh, Dylan starts going through papers looking for what he found, and uh, and Dutch is pretty upset, and rightfully so. Yeah, but it's it's weird to me. It it it's one of those things where he still has a reasonable reason to hire these people. It's not like he's a total turncoat, and you know, and we're supposed to hate him. It's it's kind of one of those things where, as I was watching it, I was thinking, why did they need this turn? Did this turn actually have to happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, especially seeing how the crew handled it, it was obviously something they could handle doing. The UK Mad Magazine had a cover of Dutch leading the Untouchables uh, at this point in time. So they had all the Untouchables in the background, and right in the front was Arnold as Dutch, you know, with his machine gun. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the the U.S. version had the Easter Bunny coming down a chimney uh, instead. Alfred E. Newman dressed as the Easter Bunny, but they they did a parody called the the predecessor. And uh, I, I, a lot of times in Mad magazines, and I have not had a chance to revisit this one. The title they would find a way to explain it in the paragraph above it, so it, it may have been one of those. 
Mm-hmm. And I had no idea that there was a UK version of Mad Magazine. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, I guess there is a lot of things that, you know, at the time, I don't know if it's still around, but, you know, you'd have shows that were on here that weren't on there and movies that maybe came out there much earlier you know, or probably later then, uh, yeah. but you know, it could have been the other way as well. And they had to time things right, you know, get things, uh, you know, in the same exact way. And so it also may be something where the Easter bunny is not as big of a deal in the UK. You know, maybe it's mm-hmm. the Easter bunny, you know, coming down the chimney, maybe Santa and the chimney and everything aren't as well established. So they went with a different cover over there. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, that makes collecting uh, challenging <laughs> for some of the big Mad Magazine collectors out there. I bet it does. Um, the thermal imaging we see in this movie, a very interesting gimmick where we can see the Predator sees heat vision. Yeah, it was a, a very cool effect. It, it, um, it had a cool sound effect with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it really created, a, a, you know, a level of suspense that I really, really dug. So around this point, we meet Anna. She's brought into the film, I guess, just so there's a female in the film. But uh, they take her out of the village and they they sort of uh, almost hold her hostage and bring her along with them. And uh, at this point, uh, we also we also uh, get a little bit of Shane Black. Why don't you tell everybody who he is in case they don't recognize the name? Because I didn't. Yeah. Shane Black is is not really known as an actor. Um, he's he's more he's primarily known as a writer and director, and he basically pe- appeared in Predator due, his, due to his professional relationship with producer Joel Silver. Silver also produced Lethal Weapon, which Shane Black wrote. Um, most recently, Shane Black wrote, co-wrote and directed Iron Man three. But uh, the story for Predator is pretty interesting because on the commentary track, director John McTiernan explains that they basically wanted to bring him in for his writing ability. Uh, McTiernan said, I cast him because I wanted a writer on the set. At the time, Black was starting out in Hollywood having written Lethal Weapon and Monster Squad, both of which were released the same year as Predator, but already had a reputation as someone to go to for big studio movies with snappy dialogue and clever scenarios. I loved his work, and he's got a uh, great, wise-ass manner. Um, they go on to say that the idea was hatched, that they'll hire him as an actor, and then when he's stuck in Mexico, they'll make him rewrite the movie. (laughs) Uh, Shane Black later on uh, said, I did nothing on the script. What the studios normally do uh, is they'll get seven different writers, go all around in a circle, and eventually end up back at the original draft of the script. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty awesome. And he was pretty good in this movie uh, for, you know, a guy that's not really known for acting. What did he do? Which one of the characters was he? He had the uh, the glasses, and he was always telling jokes to try to make uh, the uh, the Sonny Landham character laugh. Yes, indeed. Yes. Okay. He's he's very remember very memorable in this. So uh, we we get to see about this point, Jesse gets killed. Yeah, and it's. Um... How the predator dispatches people is 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 you know from a distance most of the time and and Jesse's scene is really really uh really powerful because he gets hit twice and Jesse really really sells it. Yeah, of course he does. He's he's a pro. And then Bill Duke leaves the flask for him and says goodbye, bro, and talks about how close they were. And it, it's kind of a great moment because it really makes you, you know, kind of feel for this crew and kind of realize that they're not just a bunch of guys thrown together. If you hadn't caught that already, you now know this. Yeah. 
And and just prior to that, you have the uh, amazing moment where the entire team shoots in the jungle and they probably unload more ammunition than some action movies do in the entire runtime. That's true. <laughs> so Anna tells him that every summer or every time it gets hot, that uh, this this legend, this you know, this monster shows up and and kills things, and and so it sounds like that the predator comes down to hunt. You know, it's just like a vacation for him. Yeah, yeah. So they start setting traps for him, and they I think they kill a pig. Yes, the, a, a, a poor little pig, uh, I guess, comes into their camp and sets off one of their traps. Uh, the predator steals Jesse's body. He he sneaks in and takes him. Yeah, and 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 it's 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 pretty amazing that we get some predator character moments in this movie because that's another thing you don't normally see in these kinds of movies, especially with quote unquote monsters. You don't really get to see anything that really defines them as a character, and we see that. The, the predator is basically collecting souvenirs from from the people that he kills. Right. Yeah. He's an interesting character and and they're going to try to catch him, which just made me think of to catch a predator. <laughs> and I just really pictured Arnold going up to the predator afterwards and being like, now, why did you come here with cookies and flowers? What were you expecting? Please sit down. <laughs> And then the predator gets up at the end and thinks he's going to be walk, be able to walk right onto his spaceship. No, there are cops out there for you. You're going to prison. You are a predator. Uh, my Arnold is terrible. But you know, I think I, we just wrote a, a new Mad Magazine parody. I think the problem with Arnold impressions is that everybody has heard so many bad Arnold impressions that you can't, you can no longer do it right. It's like yeah, you know, you're you doing heard, an, uh, an impression of an impression. Yes, but he does have a great line here where he says, "If it bleeds, we can kill it." Yes, and the Predator has this great sort of neon green blood. Yeah, yeah, I like that. So we see uh we see uh Poncho get get terribly wounded. We see Mac get shot in the head and then Dylan loses his arm and it keeps shooting. Yes. Uh, another amazing scene where they where Mac and Dylan sort of have eyes on the predator and they they devise a, a really good plan to sort of, you know, one of them go around and come behind him. Uh and of course the predator's just too smart for that and uh and you get a really, really well done sequence in which um, they both get dispatched. And I, I think this is, again, this is a, a great action sequence in, in that. In this movie, you always have an idea, uh, a clear idea of what's going on. Let me talk about Sonny, the actor here. Uh, he did some interesting things. Uh, he, he appeared in The Last Stand with Arnold, the newest film that Arnold did. Yes, which I didn't even recognize him in uh, until we were prepping this episode, and I looked that wow. up, and I said, oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, he also was on an episode of the A-Team, one of the uh, the the ones where they dealt a lot with Vietnam. He shows up in, in one of the A-Team episodes with Mr. T, who was in the main event of WrestleMania 1. But there was some great stuff on IMDb, and you know I'm a big fan of IMDb and some of the crazy things that show up on there, and I don't know that any of these are false. They're just all crazy. Yeah. Um, I believe that actually I believe all of these are at least mostly true. This is from his uh, trivia page on IMDb. He's a, uh, he's a former 1970s porn star. He tried to sue some local TV stations that showed clips of his movies during news broadcasts without paying him, and his lawsuits were settled. 
During the filming of Predator, and I'm going to read this exactly how it is here because it's kind of weird. During the filming of Predator 1987, a bodyguard was hired, not for his personal protection, but because the film's insurance company worried about the safety of the cast with him around. Oh, wow. (laughs) Now, I read into this, and the best explanation I could find on this was that this was true. It was mentioned in some documentary about the film, but it's not that they were afraid he was going to punch out somebody in the cast. It was that they were afraid he was going to get in an altercation with a local, which may have then caused a problem to the cast in Ah, the film uh, or the crew or, you know, just the film as a whole. On the 18th of June, 2003, he held a press conference at the Kentucky State Capitol in Frankfort to announce his withdrawal as an independent candidate for the governor of the state of Kentucky. This was done with the advice of campaign consultants who determined that the land of campaign was six months behind schedule and lacking funds to run a successful campaign. Six months. Um, there's a lot more on here that's just so interesting. I mean, he apparently uh, directed, produced, and moderated a political education DVD that you can you can apparently get if you look online. And uh, he is a descendant of Cherokee and Seminole nations, spent three years in the Army. And uh, after doing his character in 48 Hours of Billy Bear, he's played a lot of characters that are named Billy or Bear. So uh, that's why in this movie, his character is Billy. Yeah, and I got to say that the, the thing that's always sort of bothered me about the Billy character in this movie is we're at the point where they're fleeing from the Predator and they cross this log and Billy decides to stay behind and go toe to toe with the Predator. Yes. Takes his shirt off. He pulls out a huge machete, slices his chest. And then we basically cut away to Arnold and the girl and Pancho. And within 30 seconds, we hear Billy let out a a, a cry um, that indicates that he's dead. And I got to say, I think I could have lasted as long against the Predator. They really job out Billy here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is true. Um, <laughs> so we get uh, we get a, another another shootout with the Predator. And this is about the time where they start to get the Predator's M.O. They understand he's a hunter and he's hunting them. And apparently the original title of this film was Hunter. You know, that's what they were going for was that he's just, you know, like a human hunter. The only difference is he only attacks those that have weapons. So it's it there's there's a, a great moment where he he sends Anna to the extraction point and then Arnold camouflages himself with with first water and then with mud. He puts a, a small, you know, he just dips himself in some mud, and that's enough to mask his body heat, and the Predator's all confused. Yeah, even as a kid, this was kind of hard for me to take <laughs> because he doesn't put mud over his eyes or his lips. It seems like the Predator's thermal imaging is really kind of, you know, like the Sears brand. <laughs> so Arnold at this point, uh, you know, he lets out this big scream and he kind of gets rid of his regular weapons and he, ah! and he goes on to, uh, to, to go one-on-one with the Predator. This is how the movie is going to wrap up. This is the final big battle is going to be him one-on-one with the Predator. And from about this point on, there's almost no other dialogue. We got Arnold saying, you know, one-liners like, 
you're one ugly mother effer and, yeah. and kill me, you know, but that's about it. We don't have, you know, anybody else for him to talk to. And the predator, while he talks, he seems to be just repeating things he's heard. Yeah. He's like Bumblebee in Transformers where he's, he's just playing back recordings of, uh, of, you know, things we previously heard in, in, in the movie. So they, they have their big one-on-one fight, uh, and then and Arnold drops a big weight on top of the, the Predator and squashes him and then, you know, kind of talks to him, and the, the, the Predator kind of talks back to him in some garbled English. And then he sets off this big ba-boom. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow Arnold makes it past this nuclear explosion. <laughs> Yes, and the helicopter guys really, really sell it, uh, including the pilot who was played by Kevin Peter Hall. Ah, I didn't know that. That's an interesting bit of trivia. So the guy who played the Predator also saved Arnold's character from the Predator. Mm -hmm. Wow, didn't know that. We mentioned Morton Downey Jr., who is in the sequel. Um, I like to to point out that he was also at WrestleMania Five, and he did a wrestling episode on his talk show. Yes, WrestleMania Five. That was where Roddy Piper. Oh yeah, um, and brother, I kept Ryan. asking him to stop smoking. Yes. <laughs> and he said he got an early goat flavor from the cigarettes, and then he ended up spraying a fire extinguisher on him. So that's the next chapter in the Predator story. Uh, but this chapter ends with a little flashback of every character. We get the old, you know, everybody's still smiling. Another, you know, a wonderful moment from each of the characters from earlier. So we go out on a real high note. Yeah, I really like the way this movie ends. It doesn't have that sort of, you know, you basically see Arnold beat up in the helicopter and then it cuts to the credits. uh, And like you said, you see the team in in, in happier times. But I really like the movies that sort of end when they're supposed to end. And this is one of them. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Jesse uh, said in a 2012 interview that he didn't think he'd ever return to WWE Full time. He didn't think he'd ever go back to doing commentary. And he said there's one way it could happen. And he said that's if Vince, quote, unquote, puts the decimal point in the right place. (laughs) So I would love to see it happen. I think he was such a good heel commentator and he he did it so well. Him working with with Vince and with Gorilla where he would say outlandish crazy things and they'd oh please and you know they'd react, you know, oh you're Jesse, how dare you, you know. And he said one of the the things that he found was toughest was when he went to WCW, he worked with Jim Ross who did play-by-play straight without any, you know, without a lot of color. And he said he would say outrageous things and Jim Ross would continue to commentate the match and wouldn't play off of what he was saying. And he said it killed him. You know, he said it it really, and that's why I think when you listen to that commentary, it doesn't work as well. Mm -hmm. So Jesse did reappear on raw. He was one of the, uh, one of the hosts when uh, right around the end of uh, uh, right when they're getting close to, John Cena's title reign that ended with him uh, falling through a table in the TLC <laughs> match with Sheamus. And the table was not close enough to the corner, so so Cena had to make a little bit of a leap to get there. Uh, but leading up to that match, there's a great promo Cena gives, and Jesse's right there in the middle of it because he was there that night on Raw. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. I don't remember that. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a really good promo where where Cena and Cena, you know, has a lot of bad promos, but I love this one. He talks about how you know normally when somebody's coming at him, it's 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 a uh, you know a Hall of Famer like Shawn Michaels or Triple H, and he's like, but now it's this Sheamus. Who is this Sheamus? And and then you know Sheamus uh, starts taunting him, and he's you know he says, I'm going to sign it. You know, and he, they they have a really great back and forth. It's I think a lot of it is owed to the fact that Jesse's there. Jesse provided some wonderful energy to that bit and to that show. Yeah, I think that's really what's great about when they bring in these sort of legends is they, I think they really do elevate whatever they're involved with. Yeah. So this brings us to the very important question. Do you tap out to Predator? I I don't think I can give any kind of detailed explanation here. Uh, I don't think there's a need to for me. I do not tap. All right. Now I will say that going into this, there was certainly a chance that I could, um, because I like to really objectively look at these movies and say, hey, would I recommend this to somebody? You know, do I think this is a good movie beyond the wrestling connection? And when you have the wrestling connection ending about less than half of the way through the movie, can I recommend it as a whole? Uh, but this movie is so tight, is so well written, is so well directed. I mean, better directed than written. There, there are certainly some plot holes you could drive, you know, the, the, uh, the Jeep through in the movie, but <laughs> there, it is so beautiful to look at. The photography is wonderful. And I think it's a really, really tight story that keeps you on the edge of your seat. And it has a wonderful, wonderful cast. And so, no, I, I don't tap out. I enjoyed it much more than I did when I saw it for the first time in its entirety, which was probably about 15 years ago at this point. And uh, I, I liked it even more now. And I don't think I'll go that long without seeing it again. So, no, I don't tap out to Predator. Excellent. So, Craig, thank you for joining me on this one. Thank you. This was uh, an episode I was so looking forward to doing. I'm, I'm glad we did it. And, uh, and I'm glad uh, that we had a chance to really, uh, you know, talk about the movie and talk about Jesse again. I always love talking about Jesse Ventura. Yeah, a really interesting character, and uh, I hope that Vince does put the decimal point in the right place for him at some point in time. Well, thank you to you for listening, everybody, and we will see you next time right here on Camel Clutch Cinema. So you want to wrestle, huh? You're too little. We got ushers bigger than you. Leave. I got to take a crap. Don't you see? Your skills plus my skills in the ring. Tag team. Howard Patrols is John Triton. What are you doing up there? Staying away from you. No more rhymes now, I mean it. Anybody want to feel it? What's that smell? Down goes Jimmy King. Oh my God, a four-post massacre. No one can survive this. This isn't even a pay-per-view. 